Welcome to episode 7 of season 7 of Delving Into Dance. This season has explored the role of dance in contesting normative notions of gender and sexuality, and dance more generally is a medium that can open up a range of important conversations. We've heard from the likes of Luke George, Philip Adams, Justin Shoulder. We also heard from Chase Johnson off the back of his historic season dancing in the female ensemble for the English National Ballet. This episode is with Queen Bee of the Houston Ballet, Harper Waters, ballet and social media star. Before I get into the specifics of this episode, a quick call out. I know everybody loves something for free, but projects like this cost a lot of money. Delving into dance seeks to profile the diverse perspectives of dancers and dance makers. But to do this, we rely on your support. It would be great if you love this project, the mission to maintain good quality arts coverage that you might consider contributing to ensure that Delving Into Dance can continue. We're currently raising money to transcribe all episodes to make them available for deaf audiences. Now back to normal programming. This interview with Harper covers a lot of ground from social media to making dance more open and accessible, dancing in high heels, gender and sexuality, and Harper's ambitions for the future. I started by asking, where did dance start? Was something that my parents put me in. Um, I was a constant mover, tons of energy, um, always needed to be the center of attention. Um, and so I was put into classes, I feel like, to like make me calm down. And um, my parents at the time, they're both retired, but they were both um, English professors, so college English teachers. And I feel like they had a real understanding of the arts and like the importance of the arts and what um, that could do for a child. And so, um, I mean, I did like t-ball and I did all that stuff, but dance, they also put me in dance. Um, so it was like a real like energy kind of dimmer and they wanted me to like chill out and, um, but it quickly turned into, um, it quickly turned into a place where I just felt accepted, you know? And, um, I developed a lot of friendships there with people who liked the same things as me and wanted to talk about the same things as me. And I didn't find that in my grades or in my like classes, um, at school, I, I didn't really have many friends that I would like do sleepovers with and stuff. Um, but these girls I connected with. So um, it was something I wanted to be around more. So um, while I, I loved dancing, at, when I got started, it was much more about I need to be around these girls because these are my friends and less about um, I want to be a dancer. So, I mean, I was put into those classes at like age like six, seven, because I was like, insane as a child with like tons of energy but I, I usually tell people that I started dancing regularly every day with the hopes of kind of dance as a potential career um, probably like around 11 years old um, I went to a competition dance studio we would do competitions at every weekend we would learn the routines throughout the week and um I loved it because I was the only boy and I was like in the center of every piece and, but like 
there were girls who were taller than me. So like, I didn't really have to like partner or do anything. Like I just had to kick and split and be like over the top. So I, I mean, it was, it, I, that was when I really started doing dance more often. And so what did it feel like at that point where it turned from, uh, I guess, being just about the social aspect and the dancing as a part of that to, I guess, being more seriously about the dance itself? Yeah, so as I progressed as a dancer um, with classes and I got older, um, I just learned about what, um, I learned about that you could have a career in dance. I always thought that dance could be, was only a pastime um, and that it was like a hobby. It was like an elective or something. I didn't realize that you could make it your full-time profession. And so when I discovered companies like Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater um, and I discovered dancers like Carlos Acosta, um, on, I found them on YouTube and stuff. I was like obsessed. And um, so that was like, I, n- I needed to know how they got to where they were so that I could do it myself. And I learned about that they took ballet every day and they went and trained at schools that were just for dance, not like academics. And so that was what put it on my radar. And that's what I um, really started working towards. Mm. Um You've gained a big profile, obviously, in dance, but maybe your biggest profile has been in social media through your videos on YouTube and Instagram and what have you. Yeah. Um, and for me, these mediums seem very much like an extension of your practice as opposed yeah. to um, just a sales pitch or something like that. Sure. What, what are these spaces for you? What What do you use them for? Um, you know, I think what it's turned into was I really just was starting to have fun sharing myself and sharing aspects of myself and nothing I share is I consider work. I never consider it like I have to get this content up. I have to do this for the following. It's really, I'm doing this because it's just so fun to do. And what it's turned into is it's turned into kind of this chosen family environment where it, empowers people to see the real simple power of being yourself and um, that you don't have to sacrifice your dreams or your aspirations just because of the way you look or what you believe in or or who you love. Um, And I try to make, through sharing my life, I try to make the ballet world a lot more colorful, a lot more diverse, a lot more inclusive. but then also offstage, I tried to do the same thing. Um, it's re- it was really interesting because when I joined the company, I was 18 years old and um, I thought I knew everything, but I quickly realized I didn't. Um, and I struggled a lot with finding my voice as a dancer. And I thought that I knew what it was to be a dancer. I thought it was all physical stuff, like all technical turns, kicks, legs. Um, and that really helps, but you know, it's so much more and dancers are artists. And I was posting all this stuff that was getting such a following on my social media, running in heels and dancing to Beyonce. And, you know, I was expressing myself so freely on my social media and I was like, why am I not doing that 
in my dance? And why am I not doing that if I'm getting such a positive response on my social media? And so um, my career has been really elevated through self-acceptance and owning my, um, owning my truth. And so, um, I just try to share that in hopes that I'm living proof that, you know, like you can, you can do what makes you happy and you can be sassy. You can be, you can have an attitude. You can love the real housewives. You can love Beyonce and you can still be called a professional at whatever you're doing. Be a shame if you couldn't love Beyonce and be a professional and not be a professional <laughs> at the same time. Irrespective of what your career is, everyone should be able to love Beyonce. She's universal. <laughs> She's universal. Quite often social media is critiqued because it isn't necessarily authentic or people are showing a particular side of themselves that is overly constructed or curated. How do you mm-hmm. find that line or how do you tread that line yourself? It's so difficult because, you know, I've seen the, the I, you know, when social media is really good at telling you what works and what doesn't. And then as a natural reaction, you want to keep doing what works because, you know, at the end of the day, audience is currency nowadays. So the larger the audience, the more currency you can receive. And it's really hard to balance what sometimes maybe you really are passionate about and then you're not getting a good reaction and you're like, well, damn, like I really liked that. And, but people aren't responding to it. Um, so it's, it's a fine line, but I really believe that authenticity, um, creates so much more, uh, of a positive effect than trying to please, um, the masses. Um, and, in ballet, a lot of times we say that it's quality over quantity. And I feel like the same principle is kind of applied to social media. Um, I feel like it's so much more important to cultivate your own um, environment with what you create and the following that you have rather than just trying to please um, everybody. Hmm. There's something that's also been said, and I've heard it a lot about, particularly around ballet, uh, that so much of what makes ballet a rarity or uh, such a unique practice is all the work that happens behind scenes that the audience doesn't see. And in your work, you've kind of opened that world up in in a real way uh, through YouTube or what have you. Do you think that that dilutes the essence of what ballet is or the the artistry or the magic of what a work can transform I guess or take you you know I think that just a little I feel like I ballet used to be so like rigid and so reserved and you didn't see anything about it and when you see movie stars and you see these athletes and they have such success for and people want to know what they're doing off the stage I feel like that is what I kind of want to get at with ballet. Um, and so I like to shake things up. I like to go against the grain. And I think I need to, and more people need to show who they are um, as people so that their work on stage becomes more authentic. I, um, 
a lot of the performances that resonate the most with me when I see someone do um, Romeo and Juliet or I see someone do another classic ballet is when I'm like, whoa, I'm connecting with their emotions on an authentic level. I'm like, what I feel that that is that is resonating with me. And that only happens because they are sharing themselves openly. And so I want people to see Harper on the stage. I don't necessarily want them to see me trying to be this like macho dude because that's just not going to happen. And so I think I need to be like, this is me. Get to know me backstage. Get to know me here. And now see how I can transform but still be Harper um, on stage as a professional. So I think it's so important to share yourself and to give a little peek into into our world. I'm not going to share so much, but a little bit. A little bit is good. A little bit is good. Just a taste. Just a taste. I mean, like, it, but it's it's true. There is like a little bit. Of, it's like an iceberg. They only see the tip, but there's so much going on. Blood, sweat, tears, drama. You know, it's all part of it. But, um, and I think showing that a little bit is good. People need to relate to the artists. And um, I think people need to see a bit more diversity and a little bit more of themselves. And if we don't share that, then it will continue to be kind of what it has been for so many years. Um, so I, I, I share my gayness. I share my sassiness. I share my love for things. And I show other people who are working in my company through my YouTube series in the hopes that the next generation see, oh, I like that too. And I also want to be a dancer. Or, oh my God, I'm obsessed with that album or that TV show too. Oh my God, I love the Kardashians. I don't know, like something like that, that that shouldn't prevent you from being able to step into a classroom and work hard at being a ballet dancer. So, yeah. Have there been some surprise reactions or particular um, feedback or stuff that you've received that has, yeah, I guess surprised you? Oh my God, yes. Oh yeah. I get tons of, I get tons of, negative comments and I get I'm overwhelmed with the positivity as well um but uh, recently there was an Instagram post um on a ballet account where it was a bunch of um men doing all these tricks tons of jumps spins very masculine hyper masculine moves um and in the comments someone commented thank you for sharing this this is ballet, not what that idiot at Houston Ballet shares in heels and tutus. And he doesn't tag me, clearly is referencing me. <laughs> um, but, you know, because I have a following and people follow that account, I became aware of the comment very quickly. And at first I wanted to drag him and be like, you know, I really wanted to like go in on him. But, you know, at the end of the day, if, my goal is inclusivity and my goal is everybody to have to be accepted that's just not the right reaction um and so i wrote this kind of like open letter on my instagram and talking about talking about ballet and where it's going and the truth of the matter is those men in the, the men in that clip are going to have to make choices that are completely unrelated to those moves um 
and have to do with deep emotion. And they're only going to be able to do it if they're accepted and in an environment that is compassionate and understanding and um, vulnerable. And um, so I, I try to... I try to educate rather than respond with hate. <laughs> um, but I, it is, it's, it is still a battle. I'm called a bad representation all the time. And I'm, you can, t you can call me any name under the sun, but bad representation is what I will take offense to because bad representation means I'm not playing by your rules and you're not, you're just not willing to see mine. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, I could be right too. So um, I just feel like we're not, I'm not trying to say that I'm the only way to do something. And I think people with my message interpret that I'm saying, put on a pair of heels if you want to become a classical ballet dancer. But my message is less about I'm right or look at me. It's more about there's room for all of us. And so um, I hope that that gets conveyed and the, that the image of what it means to be a man and a male is also shifting these days. And so to keep it inclusive, to keep an open mind, um, because there is room for all of us and success is possible for everybody. So just be, be inclusive, be open, be nice. <laughs> and... Um, I think yeah. that I think the difficulty, obviously, within um, a lot of ballet and the way people look at it, is that it's so highly gendered. It's hard to get those kind of comments, but um, it's kind of like when you there's like a cake, a gorgeous wedding cake, and a little fly goes on it. You're like only going to focus on the fact that that fly is on it. You're not going to see the rest of the cake, and so hate comments are like that for me because I do get a lot of incredible messages and a lot of positive ones but the surprising ones are those evil hate shady comments well i mean it's very interesting historically dance um, and ballet in particular has not necessarily been the most open or inclusive place in terms of sexual diversity um despite the fact that there's huge numbers of gay dancers and there have been historically but companies yeah. went above and beyond to downplay the involvement of gay men uh, yeah. denied their partners or, you know, particular aspects of that. Have you, have to navigate parts of that in the ballet world or is that obviously you're um, accepted and very open within your own company, but are there, I guess, challenges around sexuality and being so openly and proudly gay? Yeah, I think that, let's face it, like you were saying, the principal roles in every classical ballet are male to female. Um, and so I have such, I have a lot of fear as I rise through the company. Um, if I'm put in a position where I have to fall in love with a woman or convey that because I'm like, it's not going to happen off stage. So <laughs> like, how am I going to, how am I going to draw upon that? And that's kind of what I was talking about with that post. It's that, you know, I have to find things, within me, how can I relate to this um, to make it so it is believable? But yeah, I, I battle it. There's roles where I've been told, Harper, you need to be more macho. You need to say things that are in your head that you want to, that are dirty. You want to say that to a woman, you know? And I'm like, what? like, it's just not, 
it's not comfortable, but um, it's all about finding how you can do it. And, um, but there's so many more roles that I think people like are unaware of that play into this kind of homosexual, not heteronormative type of roles with a lot of drag and ballet with the stepsisters and Cinderella being played by men and Carabas and Sleeping Beauty. But I really hope that we get to a place where there are characters who are gay, who are normal humans and but have a story and you want to know backstory to them and you want to know why they're doing certain things and I hope that we move towards um, towards that in the future. Uh, it's very interesting you say that those you know talking about those shifting roles I mean I interviewed in this season Chase Johnson who danced in the female ensemble um, ah, and yes. how that kind of really shifted and also Amazing. started a lot of um, conversations and there was yes. a similar backlash around representation and roles and who should be dancing sure. what and tradition. Yeah. But it, it does feel like things are shifting, mm-hmm. um, probably not necessarily as fast as they could, but, you know, there I, is some movement. I mean, like, look at, look at um, what's that movie? Love, Simon. It wasn't the greatest movie, but it is important. And it it was a mainstream kind of romantic comedy about a gay man. And I feel like we are taking the steps in the right direction. And hopefully it becomes more inclusive, more complex, it becomes more interesting, it becomes more diverse. And so we have these movies and art forms and mediums that are equal in kind of context and impact, um, but represent so many different communities rather than just kind of a hetero um, normative storyline. So we're getting there, but um, the struggle is real, you know. And in talking about representation, obviously ballet has historically been very white uh-huh. and has also there's been particular racial elements yeah. around ballet and racism within ballet. It feels like those attitudes are shifting and um, partic- you know, particularly in the last probably 15 years or so. Have you had to come across, I guess, or come up against outdated attitudes or experiences through your time? You know, I was very nervous to come to Houston, Texas to start my career. You know, like you hear Texas, you hear South, and then you see this. So like it's, I was very nervous, but a big reason I came to this company was because of Lauren Anderson, who was the first African-American principal of a major ballet company. And she played a huge part in the reason why I'm here and the reason why I'm still here. Um, But I think there's such a shift because one, people know that it has to be made. Um, But two, because there's there's been an effort to make it more inclusive for young children. And, you know, like you can't just ask anybody to step on stage and be a ballet dancer. They have to execute these moves to a certain standard and ballet is an art form that is expensive and um, it's been given um, 
it's it's I feel like it's sometimes made only available to certain people. And so when companies make an effort to go to places that aren't um, or are more rural or maybe not as affluent and are giving those type of people a um, opportunity, then you're increasing the chances for ballot to become more diverse. And I think people are starting to see that because it takes years. And I feel like it's been happening kind of behind the scenes. But people who aren't in the ballet world are like, where are the, where's the diversity? Where's the diversity? But I just, I feel like it is happening. I mean, I was the only African-American dancer in my company for one season. And now we have three and, but we also have Cubans and um, it's, it's, it's starting. It's and people are, and I think what's great about social media is that these people, maybe not people who are as into social media as I am, but um, they share and they have social media and you, you can see it, you know, visibility is um, powerful. So you're, you're starting to see a lot more diversity. Yeah, I think you named the, the main problem is the, the money and the investment when people are younger. I mean, the amount of money and training camps and classes that goes into yeah. developing a body and developing the skill set to then audition to the right yeah. schools, to then audition to the companies. and yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a long-term investment that a lot of people, I think, don't necessarily maybe yeah. understand. Yeah, exactly. So um, a, lot of, a lot of different things play a part into it. Well, it certainly feels like dance is, you know, in that sense, becoming more accessible. Um, mm-hmm. And I think also, obviously, the conversations that, you know, people like yourself are having um, around that visibility and, you know, talking about, talking about the world in a way that I guess makes it more accessible, um, I think is really important. It's more of a, a statement than a question. No, that's great. Yeah, state it. Um, can we talk about heels and dancing in yeah, heels? Yeah. I mean, yeah. one obviously um, pink is pretty good color. Uh, that's great. Yeah, can you talk about that sass? I mean, you mentioned it before and what it brought to your dancing. Um, so the heels are were, oh, they were a gift from my good friend who no longer dances with our company, but he gave it to us. I feel like it was like um, our Christmas present. And me and my other best friend. And we were, um, it was around the time of, like, season four, season five of, like, RuPaul's Drag Race. So, like, the, like, really good seasons. And um, so we just were, we were starting to gain the confidence um, and interest and curiosity about putting on heels and what that would do. And so we had the heels and we were working out and we were like, could you imagine if we went and just ran on a treadmill? Like what would happen? We filmed it, we posted it and it really blew up. And that was my first taste of kind of a viral response to something that wasn't me being a ballet dancer. I had kind of gained a following um, on Instagram for just being a ballet dancer and like having my leg up in the air and doing all these splits. But this was my first time getting a response from just like people who had no idea um, what being a dancer was. Um, so I wanted to do it more. I wanted the, I wanted more attention. And so, um, but the, the heels quickly turned into not just um, 
a, a clothing option. It turned into kind of um, a feeling. And it was like you put on the heels and you the sass comes out, the confidence. Um, you walk a certain way. You have to own it a certain way. And I was... I felt like I was finding and discovering a new part of me that had always been in there, but like I just didn't really have the confidence to bring out. And uh, like I was saying earlier, I started to do then, I started to try and bring that out in my dancing. And so I do know that a lot of people will see the heels as just like purely fun and um, fabulous, which they totally are. But a lot of people have, I think understand like me that they represent so much more. Um, it's, it's, it's like a confidence. It's an attitude. Um, it doesn't have to be something physical that you put on, you know, it's something you, you own and you develop yourself. So, um, I love them. They hurt sometimes. Um, I've twisted many in a, at an ankle, you know, doing some things, but, um, they're really fun. And, I just covered um, a magazine in here in Houston with them on, and it was the first um, time it's they've really been photographed, and um, it's crazy. A lot of my friends are like, Could, would you ever imagine that those pink heels would still be with you and you'd still be wearing them? And I was, But um, I love them, and they've, they've done me well. So you've only got the one pair? Um, I only own, well, I've gotten a few more. Those are my like go-tos. Those are Kelly and Michelle. Um, and uh, I've had the privilege of wearing some others for like photo shoots. I did something with Elle magazine and I got to go into the Elle closet and I was like dying because like these shoes were like more than my rent. Um, but uh, I only own one pair. I have some more from I just picked up a few from Target because I'm doing stuff with Target recently. Um, I made my friend, I did a video for Lyft and I made, I threw him in a pair of heels. And uh, so I still have those sparkly heels. They're sitting in my car. Um, I kind of just leave them in my car. So people like walk by and be like, what's going on? Um, but yeah, I only have one pair. <laughs> There's something that you say around the attitude, which definitely comes across in your videos and in your dancing. And there is also nothing worse than seeing somebody wearing heels that Clunky. doesn't understand the attitude and <laughs> wearing them like a pair of clogs. It's like, what's yeah. the point? What's the point of wearing heels if you're not going to have some attitude? Yeah. Um, talking about, I guess, how that translates into your dancing, are there particular uh -huh. roles or particular um, dance moments that, um, really stand out or the standout moments within, I guess, the more ballet world now? Mm. Uh, sorry, could you repeat the question? Yeah, so are, they, are there particular roles or particular, um, I guess, experiences actually dancing within within the ballet world okay. that stand out or highlights or things that... Um... Um, yeah, I feel like I I am more drawn to the, we call it neoclassical roles, which are, or contemporary roles, that are kind of plotless. Um, they're not a story. They don't follow um, a plot. You know, like I'm not playing a character, um, but I have intricate steps to do. And um, I love that more um, because then I really can bring myself into it. 
Um, and with, I kind of, you can learn the steps. Like it's very easy to learn the steps. And I, I suffered from that, um, my early years in the company where I just would learn the steps and think I was done and I would do the steps and they'd kind of be like, and come on, like what else is there? And I'd be like, but I'm doing the steps, you know? And it's like, you have to, you have to bring more to it. And I was, I would struggle with that. But when I would put on a pair of heels, like I, you just could do a, like a, a, a SAS thing there. You could take a risk. You could really hold that corner and then you could really like give an eye. And I was like, I need to do that with, my dancing. And so the neoclassical roles allow me to play with the music and make different choices about how I'm going to syncopate things or where my focus is going to be um, as far as the audience and interacting with other people, smirking, kind of making each step have intention. And um, I love the choreographer, William Forsythe. He, um, he just, we just worked with him um, a few seasons ago and we did this ballet called um, Artifact Suite. And there's this part for six women and the ballet has been done before and they start and he kind of got a gauge of who was doing the, the part. And he goes, hold up, hold up. Do you guys want to do like a hip bounce? And they were like, what is going on? And he was like, I feel like it needs like a, like a hip bounce. And they were like, okay. You know, and so I love a choreographer who can understand uh, that things can change and that things can develop and um, how to take it so it keeps being fresh and moving forward. Um, there's a choreographer, Wayne McGregor, who is, um, he, we just did a piece from him. I, there's a ballet he does called Chroma, which is like super famous, that I have still never done, that I'm dying to do. But we did um, another one of his ballets, and I love his work. I love his work. What he can pull out of a dancer, he's really um, he's really about noises and like trying to like he never counts. He's always like chimba and you're like, what is going on? But you 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 respond to that, and he really pushes he really pushes his dancers. So. Um, Whenever I dance those works, I really feel like I can be myself and kind of um, make some fun choices. And is that going back again to the fact that some of the ballet roles don't necessarily speak to you? Like the this more heterosexual or heteronormative kind of roles don't speak to you as much? Or No, you know, I, I'll say, I'll be honest, I feel like there's a bit of fear in those heteronormative roles um yeah there is a bit of fear in that like it's like I really am gonna have to be vulnerable um but I have always known that when you take a risk you reap the benefits and um I am not against doing those roles I just think if I had the choice I'd rather do these neoclassical ones but um I think that I still, and I, I, I know that I still struggle with the kind of fact that I still think that I have to be something or I have to, I have to do it like that. Um, and when you see other dancers or the leading dancers, um, do it so well and they do it so confidently and they, it, they maybe are 
straight or heterosexual, you know, I, I put in my mind, oh, I have to do it like that. Um, and kind of finding your way is difficult. It's not easy. You know, ballet isn't something that you type in and press enter or like there's no equation for anything. So sometimes the process can be intimidating. Like you, it feels like there's like this wall. Um, and I don't feel that as much with um, neoclassical work. But I'm, 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 I'm challenging myself. I'm trying to push myself. But if I, if I could pick, I'd definitely the neoclassical stuff. What are the things you're working on at the moment that you're looking forward to or things coming up into the... Yeah, so um, our director will... He, we just started our, a world premiere, Sylvia. Um, it is a lot of Greek mythology and he's, in, he's introduced many more characters. And um, I get to play Apollo. And um, the Balanchine version of Apollo is this really kind of stoic man with the three muses who are played by women. Um, and that's kind of who I thought I was going to be playing in this version. And I was like, uh-oh. But um, this one is like much more um, playful and humorous. And he's kind of a bitch. And... Um, I'm really excited to take on that challenge. Um, Justin Peck, who just won a Tony for his choreography in Carousel, um, he just finished a world premiere in our company. He was here working with us for two weeks. Um, and he's from New York, and uh, that was super fun to be able to move in his vocabulary. He's used to these the New York City ballet dancers who are these really jazzy, um, fast moving dancers. Um, and so to be able to kind of pull from my like competition background, and, um, that has been super, super fun. Um, and then in October, we're going to Dubai as a company where, and I've never been. And I mean, I'm excited to dance Swan Lake, but I'm also like dying to get on a camel. So, <laughs> so I mean, I'm, there's a lot to look forward to. You worried about your gender and sexual expression when you're in Dubai? Yes. Um, yes. We have already started meetings about um, culture and um, how to properly behave. And, you know, we pack theater cases where we send things away, um, like certain things. If you want, you don't want to pack it in your luggage, they will mail it for you. And it was already very specific, nothing religious, nothing offensive nothing with this, you know, so it is going to be a culture shock. Um, but I think it's really important that we go and I think it's important that we show up and we show out and we, um, be respectful, but also kind of, this is part of a bigger message, I think. So it's important that we, um, we go and I'm, ex I'm excited to go. I don't know how much I'm going to like do outside of the hotel, <laughs> But, but um, like, I'll be good when I'm walking the streets and stuff. Not in your high heels. Not in the high heels. The, the high heels are going to stay right here in Houston. <laughs> Thinking about dance and, you, you like, you know, a career in dance potentially has some sort of end date or morphs into different aspects. Where do you sure. think you're going to go or head or is that too far 
too far into the future for you to... I don't know. You know, like, I moved to Houston. This will be my 10th year living in Houston. And I moved here when I was 16 years old. And um, I never would have thought that I would have been working with brands, been in magazines, that, but all through the success of being a ballet dancer. So it's like there were aspirations I had that were on my radar that have come about that I just never knew were possible. So I could say I want my own talk show. Like the, I would love my own talk show. Or I would love to continue merging ballet with mainstream things like maybe a makeup line or have a fashion line with something or be amused for someone. But as far as, I don't know, like I just, I, I'm kind of just riding the wave and um, I'm, I'm a big person on trusting my gut. And when I feel like it's time to take the shoes off, I'll under, I'll know that. But um, right now I'm just really, really excited about what I've been doing as a classically trained ballet dancer who works five days a week, who works lots of hours that I'm still able to have all these exciting offstage projects. So, um, and there's stuff in the works that I, that I, that I have coming up very soon as well. So, um, I don't know. I don't know, but I would love a talk show. I would love a talk show. Yeah. I could see you on a talk show actually. There's a lot that doesn't um, translate in a podcast, and that's a physicality. And particularly when you're interviewing dancers and choreographers, the amount that is communicated with the body uh, yeah. and the face uh, yeah. obviously doesn't translate into audio. And um, yeah, but I think that would translate beautifully into a talk show. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Or, you know, like, or being like a judge on something. I think that all these dance shows they lack like a classical point of view because sometimes I'm like that line of that leg was not cute. And, um, I feel like a judging, maybe a judging show, not a judging show. What am I saying? Not like I judge you, but like something where I could be a judge and give helpful critique. You know, I could do that as well, <laughs> but not like a purely judging show. Oh my God. <laughs> Thanks for listening. As always, you can find a list of episode notes on the website delvingintodance.com. If you're listening on the website, you can join thousands of others and find Delving Into Dance on iTunes and many other podcast platforms. Online, you'll find a range of interesting interviews from the likes of Damien Gillet, Deborah Jowett, Chase Johnson, Gideon Obazanic, Judith Mackerel, Meryl Tankard and many others. Delving Into Dance relies on the support of you, the audience, so please contribute online. Delving Into Dance also acknowledges the support of the Victorian government through Creative Victoria. Until next time, take care.